Welcome to Stage Door Sessions by Broadway Direct. In this podcast, we have in-depth conversations with Broadway's brightest, bringing you what's new, what's noteworthy, and what's coming next to a stage near you. I'm your host, Elisa Gardner, and today we are bringing you a special edition recorded live at this year's Broadway Con on January 25th. At that time, we spoke with a power trio consisting of acclaimed playwright and screenwriter Bess Wool, along with Priscilla Lopez and Ashley Park, two of the stars of Bess's Broadway debut, Grand Horizons, now at the Hayes Theatre. Bess's previous plays include the critically acclaimed John Gassner Award winner Small Mouth Sounds, Make Believe, Continuity, American Hero, Barcelona, and the musical Pretty Filthy. Her work has been developed in New York and around the country in prestigious venues such as the Goodman Theater, the Geffen Playhouse, Williamstown Theater Festival, where Grand Horizons premiered, and Second Stage, which is producing the new play on Broadway. Priscilla is a Broadway legend, having originated roles from Diana Morales in A Chorus Line to Camila Rosario in In the Heights. She won a Tony Award for her performance in A Day in Hollywood, A Night in the Ukraine, and has also appeared in plays by Sarah Rule and Nilo Cruz. And she's probably the only performer who stepped into principal roles in both the original production of Pippin on Broadway and the revival more than 40 years later. Ashley is well on her way to an eclectic career, having followed up her much-praised performance as Tup Tim in Bartlett Shear's revival of The King and I in the Lucille Lortel award-winning K-pop and, of course, playing Gretchen Wiener in Mean Girls, a role that earned Ashley nominations for Tony, Drama Desk, Drama League, Outer Critics Circle, and Cheetah Rivera Awards. We spoke with Bess, Priscilla, and Ashley at the New York Hilton Midtown and addressed a range of issues regarding not only the play, but their experiences as multi-talented, multitasking women in their field and in life. Welcome to a very special edition of uh, Stage Door Sessions brought to you by Broadway Direct. And uh, today we are coming to you, as you all know already, live from Broadway Con. And uh, we have a very special program featuring um, the talent of a new show that just opened on Broadway Thursday night. It's a wonderful play. It's, it's very, very funny and also very thoughtful and thought-provoking. In this play, we, we meet a woman who has been married for a very long time, for about 50 years. And she is not quite as content as people assume she is, particularly her two sons, her two grown sons. And um, Ashley, you play her daughter-in-law, Jess. Mm, yeah. And Priscilla, you play a woman named Carla. And I will not say anything about her role in the play because I don't want to give any spoilers. But okay. you can you can tell us what you want to about her. Um, first of all, welcome to Stage Door Sessions. Thank you for joining us for this panel. Thanks for having us. Yes. Yeah. It's a pleasure to be yeah. here. And thank you all for being here. Um, you can all hear me clearly, right? Am I talking? Okay. All right. Because these, these are the pros when it comes to using the microphone correctly. Um, best your last play, Make Believe, focused on children. Uh, that was your last play, correct? Yes. And, uh, and here you're dealing with the inner lives of characters who are obviously much older at a very different stage in their lives. What was the impetus for this? I, I'd read something about your having friends whose parents were getting divorced or separated at much later stages of life. Um, so what what made you think that that this would be a good subject to visit? And then I want to hear from um, Priscilla and Ashley about their characters and how they figure into it. 
Yes, it was uh, initially because I had several friends whose parents uh, got divorced um, at a, a age that wouldn't, you know, was pretty uncommon, you know, mid 70s, 80. And then as I dug around, I realized that there was a cultural phenomenon happening called gray divorce, <laughs> even has a name. And so I thought, oh, this is interesting. Um, and it's made me start thinking about love and commitment and um, how love sustains itself over time. And then at the same time, I was newly married. So I was sort of questioning, uh, what does marriage mean for myself? And can I see myself being married for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years? And, and how would that work? Um, and um, also, as you said, I had just worked with children. And I, I'm always curious about telling stories that I haven't seen before, um, you know, putting characters uh, at the heart of a play who might normally be pushed to the side. Um, you know, children, I had realized, were always sort of running through for one scene and, you know, not really the point of the play. And, and I felt the same way about older people. I had often seen them portrayed as having dementia or Alzheimer's or, you know, being sort of the side action. And I really wanted to, to put them center stage. So that was another piece of what was interesting to me about taking this on. Right. And tell us what you can, Ashley and Priscilla, about how your characters figure into this. Well, um, Josh, she is married to the eldest son of the two kids. Um, and I am, I, or Jess is a therapist and she's eight months pregnant. And me, Ashley, I've never been pregnant, nor have I ever, have I ever been married. But um, I think that, actress. yes, that is what acting is, I guess. Um, but um, she comes with um, the two boys and they come and try to figure out what's going on when they, very early on in the play. And, um, through it and through the uh, relationships and the um, the situation at hand, I think she starts to see what her present and what her future may look like in terms of her own marriage. And yeah, so that's that's kind of how she figures into it. And my um, character is Carla, and Carla is a resident of one of these um, communities, and she's kind of a free spirit. Um, I don't see her as having any sort of agenda. She's, if, if she had an agenda, I think it would have been just to um, have a good time and be positive and find the good things in her life and share it with people. And um, what I'm realizing now, I just realized, I should have realized this sooner, because I am in that generation. And I have a lot of friends, not a lot of friends, but friends who have lost their partners and are now single women and trying to figure out what are they going to do and looking at 55 and over places and things like that and and realizing how their lives socially have to change because they're no longer with their partner. And so um, in terms of Carla, she sort of figured out early that maybe, she, or maybe she didn't figure it out, maybe it was just the way life dealt her, that she she's always been single. So she's going through life, and I think she kind of uh, presents a little mirror for the character Nancy to look into and, and to think about herself as an individual and doing what makes her happy and what satisfies her and what interests her and, and, and just get through life that way. Am I right? <laughs> yes, yeah, that was absolutely. a lot without any spoilers. That was fabulous. It's also kind of fun because as, we, as we've just opened yesterday and as we do the show now and throughout the preview process, we kind of 
figured out how each of these characters and these roles both works for the audience in terms of how they get to know this family and what we were talking about and different ways of actually getting to, into the root of what the questions that we're asking. And it's been very fun to feel from the inside and hear from the outside just how much, you know, when you're, how an audience gets to know the characters is sometimes the people who aren't closest to the characters in the core of the story, right? Whether it's the daughter-in-law, whether it's the other people who live around them, you know, so it's been fun. It's, it's a fun adventure in that way with a new play in discovering those things. Priscilla, you mentioned uh, that they're in a senior living facility, which is um, the title of the play. And I know that, Bess, you did some research while writing the play, before writing the play. And um, I'd read that some of the reception uh, involved, that, that there were two women who saw the play of a certain age who said, you know, finally, a play about women our age is not about Alzheimer's. <laughs> so uh, do you feel like you're filling a certain void here or has that occurred to you? I really do. And I, I didn't quite realize it when I started. You know, I, I always start my plays with just some question or artistic impulse that I don't even really understand. Um, and then the writing of the play and the making of the play with the actors for me is a journey of sort of trying to understand what I'm doing. And, you know, I, I don't know where I'm going when I set out, which is part of the scary but also exciting part of it. And um, I realized as we were making it and as I was hearing these comments, you know, that was actually a comment that was overheard in the ladies restroom at one of the performances. <laughs> um, you know, there is a void for talking about these stories. There, uh, the material that exists about older people, but women uh, especially, um, does not um, really often uh, give them the full scope of their humanity. And I don't think we do that as a society. And I think people are discarded when they reach a certain age. So I, the play is doing that, but again, it, I don't think I ever could have set out to do that, but I'm incredibly moved to know that that is happening. So you're getting feedback like that from people. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so fitting of you though, because also something I've realized in working with Bess is that another thing that people have said a lot to me after this show, not only people of all ages feeling like it's very personal to them, every single person who's come to see the show who has talked to me afterwards has felt that it was written personally for them, which is like an amazing thing. And um, I think another interesting thing is that everybody who has seen it has been like, there's no like antagonist. And I was like, well, with real humans, I don't think that any villain or antagonist is the antagonist in their own life. And if so, that, that's what the problem is, you know? And so, and I think that she just, she finds such, she's such an empath and it's so amazing that that's the kinds of stuff that she likes to write about is people who may not be seen or heard in a certain way or not even know that they haven't been um, represented until they're at the play and they're like, wow, I've never been given this opportunity to share in a story in this way. And I go to the theater all the time. And I think that's something that's um, prevalent in her characters as well as you really feel like you get to know where each character is coming from. And she takes such care with each person on stage and brings like humanity to all of them. It's really, really cool. I think the other thing, too, is that we're all living longer. So when you hear 55 and over, I mean, I've passed 55 uh, some time ago. And, and so, and, but I still don't feel the results of, you know, being my age. I'm, I'm 72 years old. And so I'm just like, I'm freaked out about it. I can't believe it. I think 70 was the first birthday that I truly went, what? What's happening? 
you know, every time before that, it was all fine. So what I'm trying to say is that since we are living longer and uh, age is changed, that someone, uh, you know, close to their 80s can have those feelings and want to, before you leave this earth, to be satisfied in certain ways and accomplish things that you've never been able to. I actually, a long, long time ago, had a close friend whose mother, and this is probably 30, 40 years ago, when she turned 85, she left her husband. And I thought, oh my God, I mean, I couldn't even fathom that, you know, but I guess she thought, well, I don't have much time left, I better do something. So, uh, but I think age is really changed and, um, Bess has uh, written this uh, beautiful play and uh, seeing many sides of how it affects everyone in the family, you know? So uh, thank you. Yeah. Also, also to be like candid <laughs> with like, you know, having been in, you know, Broadway shows, usually, especially with subscriber audiences or not-for-profit, you know, I've, Lincoln Center, Second Stage, you know, we kind of know as actors matinee audiences are usually like an older crowd and usually it might be a quieter audience. I am telling you, it is so insane. Every day I look out and it's not that, you know, we can't really see the audience, but we can after a while, you know, and to see a lot of elderly people in our audiences and to hear the noises and like the, ah, and the laughter and the raucousness and be like, what, what, am I at a football, am I at a One Direction concert? Am I like at a Sunday matinee of Best Wolves Grand Horizons? It's amazing. It's like makes you emotional. Yeah, I think that was another reason I was interested in writing the play is there, you know, there's a lot of talk among theater artists of like audiences are so old and look at all these old people that came and look at all the walkers that are, you know, and I just, every time I hear something like that, I'm just like, it sounds so snotty to me. Do you know what I mean? These people came, they got out of their house, they came to the theater, they care. They, they, you know, I can't get out of my house some days. And so I just always try to go to the thing that's like, what's the received wisdom and how can we like poke a hole in that and and look at it differently? And part of me in writing this play was like, what if we made a thing for the people that everyone's been sort of discounting and talking down to and complaining about? Like, what if we gave them a thing for showing up. And so, as Ashley said, our matinee crowds have been some of our best houses, <laughs> which are. is not Today what you would expect. Feel so um, it's just been it's really great to, to see the result of that. So listen to this. So Grand Horizons, you see the walkers. Right next door, you see all the strollers. Frozen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a spectrum of life. Uh, at the cycle theater. of life. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's no, I was... A circle of life, yes. Exactly. Um, And the characters in this play, I think, uh, address a lot of the different and conflicting roles that women play in in ways that transcend age or generation. Um, You know, Jess, you're pregnant. And um, at one point, I I don't want to give away too much, but you have a wonderful line about, you know, I'm going from being a babe to being a mom. Um, Something along those lines. I'm going from babe to mom. And um, and, uh, Priscilla, your character is a wonderful conversation with Jane Alexander's character about sex and marriage from very different experiences. Um, so that's, that's something that really struck me, that it addresses uh, the, the woman's experience, a woman's experience, in ways you don't always see, very frankly. And uh, uh, the people enjoy hearing it, <laughs> you know, so it's because it's kind of like 
I think uh, my character, Carla, she just expresses what her life is. And uh, probably uh, a lot of women have experienced the same thing or haven't. And uh, there is a certain uh, surprise and delight on both sides. You know, that, oh, my gosh, okay, that sounds great. And if you've been there, and if not, you go, oh, well, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. You know, just to uh, engage in... Um, have a sexual life, you know, past what people expect. I mean, it's and it's funny because uh, with uh, in the play, the the, the sons when the, uh, there's any sexual uh, talk, they just they don't want to hear it. They run away. They blah, blah, blah. and you know, I I have children, grown children, and it's the same thing. You can't say anything. It's like I don't want to hear it, Ma. I don't want to hear it. And so it's it's just interesting how. They may be having their life, but they just can't imagine, you know, their parents. And so this play deals with all of that, too, in a very funny way, in a very human way. And I think in terms of Jess, um, the amazing thing has been, first of all, that I think we've gone through so many different iterations of what the what the core of Jess is and what the trajectory of that character is. And I'll speak to that in a second, because that's its own amazing Thing. I mean, Lee Silverman and Bess, well, there's just no other pair like them in terms of guiding and supporting and endorsing and enhancing actors in like a workspace. It's just truly a dream. But I think something about like what when I said earlier, I've never been married. I've never been pregnant. Um, I do think all the time, you know, people ask us, how do you do a show eight times a week? And the only way I'm able to do it is truly if I... Um, find a role or find something within a role of the spine of that character that aligns so like so ferociously with my own that I like have to do it eight times a week. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think for Jess, especially when you said she doesn't want to be put in a box, she just, you know, she wants to be seen as who she is, not a babe or mom or all of these different labels. I think when I say that every night, that's Jess in the moment. And also what we put a, a lot of our own personal stuff into it in terms of, you know, I grew up and I, I never wanted to be um, like the Asian girl. I wanted to be the nice girl or the sweet girl or the smart girl, you know, and I worked really hard on trying to build up different parts of myself so that I would never, I would always surprise people and not be put in a box, right? And I think as women too, we have to navigate in a certain way that I never even realized that I did before. And at the end of the day, what I love about, you know, all, all of us too is I, I think we really take our work so seriously and don't take ourselves as seriously um, in a good way. And I think that um, in, yeah, really, I, I just feel very strongly about it. And it's like ve not very often that we're given the space to uh, connect in that way with characters that we play. And so, yeah. And and just I'm glad you asked that question about the the feminism, the women in the play. And I'm glad to be here with these two incredible women to, to, because I, I do, I, that's another thing I didn't know about the play when I started, you know, I didn't know what a radical act it is for older women to be talking about their sexuality in a frank way. I didn't know how uncomfortable that would make people. I didn't know how uh, much it would be received as a joke. And the play is a lot about jokes, you know, it's about humor. Uh, but part of the point that I think we're all making in the play is like, yes, you're laughing at this, but this is a radical act of self-determination for these women. And, you know, there's a moment in the play where one of the women asks to be seen as a whole human being. 
And I think that's what all these characters are asking of each other in different ways. To me, feminism is not just about women. It's about can we as a society see each other as whole people, you know, no matter who we are, old, young, you know, um, all different races and colors of people and all different, you know, kinds of people. So, so to me, um, the play has this sort of radical feminism at the heart of it, but that's really about um, recognizing each other's humanity, which I think is essential for a marriage to sustain and also essential for, for us as a society. The reason I think it's so feminist as well, and we've talked about this, is that um, I think with this like f- feminist awakening that's happening, especially in the arts and stuff like that, I, I think that, at least in my experience, a lot of people who are trying to write strong feminist stories and um, characters are making them just that are saying they're smart and strong and uh, all and tough and all these things, but they don't have no action and they have like no discovery with that character that shows that. And I think that one of the things that um, Lee and Beth said when we came over to start rehearsing for Broadway was we have to also give these um, what makes female characters strong and complicated and complex is flaws as well. And I think that a lot of people are trying to write perfect female characters, which is its own anti-feminist thing, right? So I think that that is a really, really interesting and amazing thing, too, that all the female characters in this show are challenging how the that each other, how we're seeing each other and how the men are seeing us and also also being challenged in how they're relating to men and what they've allowed different people to get away with until this point in their lives. I think uh, one of the things that I, I like about the play, um, having been married 48 years, um, that you realize or you learn through the play that uh, one of the most important things is communication. And that's true of just life anyway, but especially in a marriage and a partnership, it's about communication. And the play starts out with no communication and it ends with agreeing to communicate. But you see, you go through this entire journey in the, in the meantime. I like the idea that the uh, couple in the play do come to a new understanding and a sort of a a realization that this is really important and they're going to try hard. And, you know, so uh, I, I just, and when um, uh, Ben says um, love is communication, love is commitment, you know, I love that. And uh, I don't know, it's, it's just, um, it's like an old story, but it's brand new, <laughs> the whole thing of marriage. And, and the, the, the good thing about staying in a relationship for a long time is that you've you have a history. You have a history with this person. And they've known you being this person, and then you've become this person, and then you become this person. And you keep evolving, and you've got like an eyewitness that you can share this with. And and uh, it just truly does, when you get past all the, you know, the stuff. And it, it helps you grow, too, as a human being, because in order to stay that long, you have to change. You can't be the same person from here. You have to change and make compromises and, and and it's just a it's a good journey and I think the play uh, you know says that and and promotes that that marriage is a good thing I would agree with that and well done wow 48 years <laughs> I know I started I got married at 12 <laughs> a child bride I was <laughs> 
I think what you say about gender dynamics is also very key in this plan. You have some wonderfully talented male actors, Michael Urie, uh, James Cromwell, um, a lot of wonderful male actors. Four, right? Ben and Malik. That's right, yeah. Um, since a woman's plight and her search for identity and her own are so central, uh, an identity of her own are so central to the play, um, has the director, Lee Silverman, who's a very high-profile, successful woman in theater herself, has she kind of, you know, made that a big part of, of the production? I mean, it's, it's there in the text, but has, has sort of um, that been something that she's helped you all go through? I think what, how she's helped me is she's, I've worked with a lot of directors, and she's so simple. She can say so much with one word, and I go, oh, right, that's what it is, you know? And so when I try to uh, accomplish what she's, the note that she's given me, it becomes simple because I'm just thinking one thing. And she's always been very clear, and she has such a way of expressing things. And, and I, I always feel that she has such an energy, and she, she physicalizes. This is how she goes, and then it's like, then it's like this. You know, so she becomes very physical. And so that's her passion of just getting into the words and getting into the action and getting into you. And so uh, she's been a joy to work with. And uh, I think she's wonderful. And I think she's responsible in hand in hand with Bess and bringing this beautiful play to this beautiful place it's in. Yeah. Yeah. Lee, you know, uh, is um, one of s very few female directors who have a lot of Broadway experience. And um, she's very passionate about lifting up other women. Also, our design team, um, Jen Schriever, who did our lights, Palmer Heffernan, who did our sound, Linda Cho, who did our costumes. You know, we've got a, a very heavily female design team. Um, and so, um, you know, there definitely is a sense. I don't think that, you know, women should be running everything, but just that, that women have a voice to, you know, um, to use and Lee, uh, lets everyone use that at the same time. I'm really glad that you mentioned the wonderful men in our cast, because to me, um, you know, when, when women are allowed to rise, everybody rises. And, um, uh, a lot of my play is about what happens when um, Nancy, uh, Jane Alexander, steps out of her sort of um, expected role as mom and wife. Um, that sort of gives everybody permission to start stepping out of their role. And suddenly, you know, Ashley's character, Jess, is wondering if she uh, can liberate herself from the idea of babe and the idea of mom. And suddenly... Ben's character is, you know, questioning his relationship to his marriage and love and commitment. And suddenly Michael, Yuri's character is questioning uh, his role in the family and his experience. And so, you know, it, it sort of opens a door for everybody. Um, and I think um, that's um, a lot of the journey of this play. It's, it's not just one woman coming into herself. It's a whole family um, reimagining who they are to each other and also who they are to themselves. And that's why there's something in it for everyone, because you get an older point of view, you get, you get mother's child, child mother, uh, husband, wife, friends, right. friends. <laughs> so uh, it, there's something in it for everyone. And I think that's why everyone loves the play so much, yeah. because no matter where, who you are and what age group you're in, there's something for you to, to truly enjoy and identify with.
Right. And I think in terms of Lee, too, um, this is my first time working with both a female writer and a female director at the same time on a project. And, I, and you know, attesting to what you were saying as well, you know, we have like Carol and Mandy. Uh, we have not only women in charge, but women, women really believing in the skills and the heart of other women, um, believing in Bess and Lee and then them in turn. I, I will say to the day's end, like, I can't believe that Bess and Lee wanted to take a chance on me, you know, letting me do, be part of this. And, like, we're, I'm very humbled by that. And I just think that in working with the female writer and director, it was very funny. I, I will tell my friends this. We, um, I didn't realize how – and this isn't um, negative against any other teams that I've worked with, but how much in a room, especially in creating new projects, I had to – try to fill in the blanks for myself and try to create an arc and something that made sense for whatever female lead or female supporting character it was and where I kind of, where a female, how they could support the other characters. It was just a lot of filling in the blanks. Um, and I didn't even realize that that was something I had to do. And that was what was part of my process. And I, from our first table read in Williamstown, I, the first week in Williamstown was a lot of them figuring out and things for Jess. And it wasn't just about, oh my gosh, I got more lines. Like, let's add, oh my God, I want more for my character. I was so happy just to be in a play and just to be working with these people, like being in this room that they could have taken away all my lines and I could have been wallpaper and I'd be like, great, I'm learning. It's fine. And if that was true for the character, then that's great. But it was just so crazy to me that their priority was to explore what the outside perspective, like character was feeling and doing and what my um, map through the story and how I fit in. And I, I, I don't know. I just, I had really never felt so taken care of and not just as Ashley, but like we get very close to our characters. Like I was just so happy. I was like, oh my God, Jess is being so taken care of. I don't, now I don't have to worry about anything. I can just do the best work that I can do. And that's like a dream for an actor. Ashley, you were making a really good point about the strides made for women uh, in the arts. And, and generally, I think the, the increased awareness um, that we've seen in recent years from everything from the, the Me Too movement to the, the sort of quest for more parity generally. I wanted to ask you about how you think that's resonated with audiences, but I think it's also, again, you know, what's so interesting about this play in particular is that you do see these complicated women characters and complicated male characters and the sort of tension and the love between them and how their relationships sort of, how they struggle and how they strive to communicate. So how has that resonated so far with the audiences you've seen and also at Williamstown? What I would say is I think that more than any show that I've been in, well, I think like the best kind of theater really asks questions and provokes questions and it doesn't say, here's the answer, right? And that's something that is important to best too. And what is cool, especially with women watching the show, but men, you know, and anybody watching the show is that they see conversations unfold in the way that they do in real life with Bess's writing. It's so much of it is situational, you know, which is it, it gives, it supports what is happening internally and externally with the characters and their relationships, but also gives the space to the actor to explore different ways of pr perspectives of going around it. Like one laugh that I've, the only laugh I think I've gotten every single show has been with the words, okay, period, okay, period. And that's not funny on its own, out of context, okay, okay, you know? But, like, where she puts different words and how she interweaves conversation and subtext and gives space for that is what I think a lot of people, especially women and a lot of young women, are like, that is, I feel so... I've had a lot of friends 
say for the first time they forgot it was like me doing the show. And that's not really a testament to like my acting. I think it's a testament to the characters too, you know, and seeing, oh my God, this isn't just like, I don't feel like the show is scripted. That is like the best kind of compliment. Yeah. They really feel like they're watching like a documentary unfold a little bit and be like, oh my God, now I have to evaluate how I communicate, you know? Yeah. It's like, um, when you're not on stage, you're in your dressing room. And so you're hearing the show over speakers. So you know what's going on in the show and you know when to get up to do your role. <laughs> so I, I, a lot of the show I hear and I really get to hear the rhythms and I love those rhythms, you know, and, and uh, a lot of the way it's written and rhythmically helps with comedy. It helps with all the, it helps with all the emotions because it's all about rhythms and um, she's got them down. <laughs> Right. In, in, terms of, in terms of audience, though, like what you're asking, I think that something that we can feel on stage, at least, is um, I think with any show, the it's not like a statistic, but it usually takes an audience, especially nowadays with everyone on their phones and everything like that, in their own lives, in their own heads, about 10 to 15 minutes to really warm up to the story and warm up to how the story is being told, like the rhetoric and the language that we're using. And what is cool about this show, unlike other shows that I've been in, and mostly because with a musical, it's its own thing too. People have to get attuned to like, okay, now I'm listening to music and also like story through that is that you can feel right away um, with the first scene, how it's done. And also into the second scene that people are already, they're already, their ears are already attuned to how we're talking. And so they're listening right away and then they get invested much faster, um, which is really cool to feel on stage. There's a, a music to the dialogue and that's about the highest compliment. I think that uh, that's what distinguishes my, my favorite playwrights work. Certainly. Thank you. Um, and you mentioned also Ashley um, about, you know, you're, you're an Asian American and, and sort of uh, how that uh, informed when you were growing up uh, your, and then Priscilla, you, your parents came here from Puerto Rico. Is that correct? And I assume best that uh, you wrote these roles to be open to, people of all races and ethnicities. Um, there's been in, in the arts a push for more racial and ethnic diversity. And I'm wondering if you've all been encouraged by that just generally. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> That's a much bigger question. And I think inclusion is good no matter what it is. For me personally, it's always been important to me that I don't not get cast in a role because of my ethnicity, but also that I don't get cast in a role solely because they want somebody ethnic and that's just my own personal thing and something that I've loved. Yes, like I'm so happy that we have such an amazing diverse cast. But I also think it's lovely now and how these characters have shaped and stuff that I think that Priscilla Lopez is the best person for this part, no matter whether they wanted someone white, Hispanic, you know, anything. Same with Malik. And I think that I understand why I am suited for this role. And it's what is in what I bring to the table, despite or in spite of how I look. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, this is interesting for me. <laughs> um, when I, uh, I started, um, there was not a large Latino population in the theater. I mean, we had our stars, we had Tito Rivera, we had Rita Moreno, we had Jose Ferrer. And, but that was about it. And um, so... I started as a dancer, so I didn't have to speak. So it wasn't about that. It was about what I could do physically. And then, you know, life went on. I worked for 11 years, got into a chorus line, and suddenly Deanna Morales makes this splash on Broadway, which at that time, the whole Latin thing was happening, and, you know, the Latin movement, and the music, whatever. 
that whole thing was going on. So in those 11 years, I did many roles. Uh, I was never uh, eliminated from anything because of the name Lopez or whatever, in, in New York City anyway. But after Deanna Morales suddenly uh, put me in a place where I had never been, which was Latin. Not that I, I, but it was like suddenly I couldn't, I have spent 10, more than 10, 15 years being everybody's, everybody's mother, which was fine because I am a Latin mother. But the thing was, can you do an accent? 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 So this play, I'm so happy to do it because I'm just a person. You know, I'm just a person, and uh, I'm proud to be a Latina. Uh, you know, I love it, the whole thing, but, you know, and I've done some beautiful work as, you know, and in the Tropics is one of my favorite plays, and I loved that play because it represented a Latinos in a beautiful way, you know, successful family, business family, classy family, family with problems. So it was a beautiful, beautiful play, and I love Nilo Cruz, and he always has especially for women. He writes beautifully for women characters. So I, I'm not, it's not sour grapes. I'm just saying it, it's been wonderful grapes and the wine has been fabulous from those grapes. <laughs> but what I'm saying, it was just interesting to me how suddenly it was very, um, you know, and, and it happens especially more in television and film because they just, that's just the way it is. So this is a wonderful thing that when I read it and it said she was from the Midwest, I went, yeah! <laughs> you know, I was like, okay. And uh, it was such a gift for me to be able to be somebody else, you know? Well, I think we're a little past noon, so I'm going to ask one more question and then maybe if we have time for a couple of, of your questions uh, in the audience, uh, if you're all open to that. Um, but I was going to ask you about, you know, I'd, I'd spoken about how the, the many diverse and conflicting roles women are called on to play and form this play. Um, how has it made each of you think about the different roles you play in your lives, the roles you juggle? You mean as a real person? As a real person, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Off stage. Well, uh, I started out as a... Uh, a child of a parents, and then I became uh, a sibling, and then I became a friend of uh, contemporaries, and then I became someone in the world, and then I became a girlfriend, then I became a wife, then I became a mother. I'm going to be a grandma uh, this March. I'm so happy. <laughs> so I've, I've, I've uh, been many roles, I guess, and... Um, there is a time for everything, and life yeah. tells you when that time is, and you just have to go with it and not freak out about it. From my When I turned 40 to about 50, um, those years, because I wasn't the young chickie anymore, but I wasn't the, you know, what they thought a mother should look like. So that was the time I had my children, and I was so happy, and I didn't work for those years, and I'm so happy I didn't work because if I was offered it, I would have done it. And but I raised my children, and I'm so happy that I was there for them. This one here, this one here. I met her. She was pumping for her newborn baby. Well, she'd written this play, and I I called her Wonder Woman because she. I mean, it's unbelievable. So the point is, you can you can do everything. You just have to let life lead you in terms of what is presented, and not freak out about it, and give everything its due. So you don't feel like you've 
you know, not given its due of where, you know, your life has brought you. So I think everything is possible. Yeah, definitely. I've thought a lot about the roles that people play. <laughs> and I think the the show is a lot about what roles we all play. And, you know, one thing that I noticed when I became a mom and, and now I have three children. So it, it's a, a complicated juggling act between being a mom, being an artist, um, being just a person. Um, you know, I noticed that, uh, in a lot of contexts, people like would call me mommy. Like if I took my kids to the doctor, the doctor would say like, okay, mommy, come this way. Like the, you know, and I was like, <laughs> What happened to my name? You know, so I I think a lot about the ways that our identities can get erased. It's really wild. Yeah. It really happens. And and um, I for a long time, I was even afraid in a context like this to admit that I had children because I thought like, oh, you have to keep that part of yourself secret because no one will take you seriously. You know, I I didn't tell anyone I was pregnant in a, in a work context until I was like eight months pregnant. I wore these like giant tents. And I just sort of like carried a bag on my lap or I would like hold a, a, a file, you know, like a whatever legal pad in front of myself just in meetings to sort of pretend that all this wasn't happening because I thought like, oh, no one will listen to the words coming out of my mouth anymore if they know that I have these other parts of my life. And um, that's one thing that I think the making of this play, the meeting of um, other professional women who are doing a lot of different things is sort of inspiring me to try to own all these different parts of myself and, and integrate them a little bit more and understand that we all have a lot of different identities that we're juggling and we owe each other the respect of looking at each other as full people and allowing people to have different identities and to um, take them all and not reduce them or erase them in any way. But the thing is, it's so important to have all those identities because that informs your work. Right, right, right. So, I mean, now it's what I write about, yeah. So that's that you have to, you know, that's just hand in hand. I feel like I owe every um, person in our company like a tuition because I I feel like I've gotten like a master degree, master's degree in like life from like Priscilla and a PhD from, you know, like truly a, learning so much just about life. And that's kind of what it's all about. Even, you know, that's what art is. But, um, I think for me, like I, I when we've talked about this, I, I think from the beginning of Williamstown until now, I, somehow through Jess and through the course of this play, I've really, um, found my womanhood in a very personal way and in like an artistic way too. And I'm very appreciative of that. You know, I'm not a mother and I, I think the world of these women so much. And, um, I think that, the place in life that like within the last year I've had a, a lot of close friends get married, a lot of close friends get engaged, a lot of close friends get divorced. And, um, I've had, you know, the first like funerals for like the parents of people, you know, like it, there's, it feels like I'm at this, we're at this place right now, at least for me in terms of identity of like, Oh my God, am I not a kid anymore? I'm an adult now. So all the adults in my life have been to this point. When did they, were, did they feel like a kid this whole time? So like, I've just, this play has really um, helped me in terms of whatever identity I had and came in with or I'm leaving with, like just to f to focus in on what identity means to other people even more and everybody in my life. And like, I think the great thing that we discover in this play and also in life is that like love is just like the root of everything and just like trying to keep the perspective and empathy of like 
what love means to different people, no matter what identity that I'm connecting with that day, is just the best way to go. So, yeah, but uh, never lose the kid inside you. And I don't think I don't you think will. I can. <laughs> She's my no, exactly, exactly. And you won't, you won't. And so don't ever think that you have to, you know. So uh, yeah, that's, that's so important. That's good advice to to end on. Besswell, Ashley Park, and Priscilla Lopez. Thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you. <laughs> all things Broadway, and to find tickets to your next show, visit broadwaydirect.com. This podcast is produced by Broadway Direct, your source for all things Broadway and the Nederlander organization, with Iris Chan, Aaron Pervaznik-Wagner, Sarah Qualiarello, and hosted and produced by me, Elisa Gardner. Thank you for listening, and we will see you soon on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs>